Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health, or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your Daily Dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette. Good morning and welcome back to your Daily Dose. With COVID-19 still on the rise, the self-isolation and several areas still under lockdown, many of us are beginning to try our luck at becoming self-sustaining. Many are trying their hand at growing their own vegetables, raising egg-laying chickens, meat chickens, and some are going way out on a limb and raising pigs. Being from somewhat of a farming area, and when I've been looking for seedling plants or seeds, it's near impossible to find the easy growers such as peas, corn, potatoes, squash, etc. Today, I'd like to talk with Chef Kevin Wagner. He's a registered nutritional consulting practitioner, and he's the owner of Eating with Wisdom. Welcome back, Kevin. How have you been holding up during the pandemic? Well, it's... Hasn't been much of a change out here. We're way out in the hills as it is anyway. So, um, and, and we uh, <laughs> and we do just those things. We uh, we have to we have to maintain our homestead. So it's not a big change for us out here. I mean, um, I work out of a home office as far as my business goes. Consulting has been a little slower because I I don't do or haven't done face to face consultations. I've been doing video or phone or email. But uh, any any supplements that people need from me, uh, I have a safe box on my deck and they can pick them up in the yard or when I do deliveries, I do the proper social distancing and sanitization. Uh, but aside from that, around around here, there's always lots to do. Mm-hmm. So I've been seeing a bit on social media that you've been out in your gardens and I do believe that you've been doing some logging. Um, tell us, tell us what it is you're doing exactly. Well, I'll go on a bit of a paramble probably when I, when I do this because that's it's, okay. uh, we do run a bit of a bit of a homestead. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's our it's our choice is what we what we chosen to do over the past few years. I mean, uh, it's, in the chef business, I'm a chef as well as a nutritional consultant, and so and so up until a few years ago, I was quite busy in kitchens, and we could do a little bit around here. But but since I since I backed off of that uh, that crazy lifestyle, you know, five six years ago, and moved just into consulting, I can manage my time and and my wife works but we can also you know uh, do a little bit of adjustment on her schedules and and we have time to to do the things that we want to do and what we want to do would be more like you said self-sustainable self-sufficient so our transition over the last few years has been to grow most of our own food and then we do you know raise meat birds we don't do laying hens because i really don't want to tend chickens 12 months of the year i'd sooner do it for eight or nine weeks and mm-hmm. then and then butcher but we also do our, do our own meat processing of those my my cousin and i work together on on our birds and and we do our own processing 
Uh, we heat our house with wood. We have a heat pump, but I like I still like my wood heat. And so I live on 120 acres of land here. So I cut my own firewood. And what you what you refer to on social media, I've got a I've got a logging trailer and and wood system for my for my ATV. And so I used to work in the woods in, in a past life. And so <laughs> it's natural for me just to do the things as well. So yeah, it's it's just a normal lifestyle for us day to day to to you know to, to garden we've got uh we've got eight large six by 12 boxes that we've had for a few years and it's all deer fenced in for protection of course but uh but uh, we've got a couple of flat gardens for potatoes and beans and things and climbers and <clears throat> excuse me and uh and i grow you know 30 pound or more garlic a year and we've got asparagus bed and things and a small greenhouse outside so we we do produce a lot of our own stuff so, i guess so it runs in, in, in cycles throughout the year. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. So when when you've been gardening, um, if you've been going out to any of the, the nurseries around, have you been noticing that there's a lack in the seeds and the and the plants due to so many other people who are starting to get into this now? Therein lies the problem. People that are starting to get into it um, aren't in a position that we are because we really don't buy much in the way of start plants or seeds because we save all our own seed every year um we may buy some carrots some beet seeds um maybe some peas but outside of that any beans uh, potato seed we save year to year uh, and tomatoes cucumbers anything that we can we do so we just let the the fruit or vegetable mature large on the vine and, and let it really get overripe, take the seeds from the best and, and dry those and save them every year. And so we don't, we're not seeing the crunch that, that growers that go to the store for their seed do uh, mm-hmm. and transplants. We, uh, we have a transitional system here. We have a, a 30 inch uh, small pop-up greenhouse that we do our seeds in uh, probably February, March will start. And that's in our dining room, and so it gets full light then. And we've got some warm mats and heat mats and things too, and some LEDs and timers. And then we've got a larger one that we pop up in our living room. It's five feet, and so we'll pop that up and and transplant into that. And then we've got our outside greenhouse, which is six by ten for a hardening and transitional from late May into June greenhouse. And so we don't see the crunch at the nurseries that uh, that other people do because of what we've done over the past few years to get ready for that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and ordering, we used to order a lot from Bessie's, overloaded from Halifax Seed. And, and there, then even those guys are getting a little short, but we're way early. I mean, this... This uh, this lockdown and, and people that are wanting to garden really started a little late for them to get seed, which is why you're seeing the crunch. We've we mm-hmm. always plan ahead and we and we have enough seed year to year. So, but there is a big push on it. I, I, I agree. There's a big push on that stuff and and they're starting to catch up. Um, but now uh, you know with with everybody wanting to do a little more, uh, they're going to have to ramp up next year, which means they'll have to grow the product for the seed this year and plan for that the companies that are that are selling the seed itself so yeah exactly so when you hear of so many more people who are wanting to do this and you doing doing what you do and and everything is natural you must be pleased to to know that some people are actually wanting to try to look after themselves and not have to go to the grocery store rely on fruits and vegetables that are brought in from other countries for us oh yeah i've, I've preached this for years 
years. I, I was a for many years. I was chef instructor with the Sobeys chain, and done. I've done probably fifteen hundred, two thousand classes around the provinces, and and, and it was always, you know, always the thing is to is to try and get people to to do farm to table, to to raise their food, mm-hmm. know where it comes from, and so this is this is really encouraging. And as a nutritional consultant. Uh, I just know that the nutritional content is so much higher in what you grow than what you bring in. Really, in nutrition, is not on the radar for for farm for commercially farmed crops. Uh, they need a crop. They need a plant that's going to be, say, a tomato, for instance. They need a, a tomato that's going to ship for thousands of miles, hold up on a store shelf, um, and maybe ripen up. But nutrition is is not even on their radar. So. What you grow in your garden is going to going to be so much better, uh, nutritionally dense uh, that it's it's going to it's going to blow your mind if you haven't had out of, fresh out of your own garden a tomato picked in the sun. Mm-hmm. But along with that, you all when you're in the garden, it's it's a great place to be. It's great for stress management. I mean, if you're in the garden, you got your hands on the soil. Uh, it's it's a great place to be. It's fresh air. It's exercise. It's healthy exercise. It's natural range of motion exercise which is what we're supposed to do uh we're, we're not built to sit we're built to stand move around and sit feels good after you do that work and then you get this feeling of gratification too so it's really great overall and and even for even for your microbiome for your for your gut bacteria uh to, to work in soil and then to get naturally dirty with the natural bacteria not the uh, not the virus floating around but i mean it, it builds your your immune system just being mm-hmm. in the dirt and working it around and and so it's it's good for all things. So yeah, it's really encouraging to see to see people do it. Um, and and again, there's a lot of there's a lot of help out there. There's a lot of groups and Facebook groups and things that are that are helping growers out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really encouraging. It's it's the way that it, it's going to have to go, really. Oh, for sure. So people are people right so when we start something for the first time if we if we have success at it it really encourages us to want to do something again the following year if we fail at something it it kind of discourages us and we say well no i don't i don't want to do this again next year so what are some easy vegetables fruits or vegetables that we could grow that you would suggest that for first-time people that's going to give them that boost that they're going to see success well there are some things that are easier but the and and, gar, and gardening is, is a fickle beast because you are trying to cooperate with nature and nature is not to be controlled it is to be uh working in in synergy synergy and harmony so you you are at the mercy of the weather now last year in june was really cold uh and so it didn't didn't warm up well this year looks like a really good june and uh and two years ago we had monster killer frost in the valley it was like minus three minus four uh in early june and a couple nights so you have to work with the weather as well and so your success is dependent on factors a lot of the time outside your control and so the big thing to know is that when it comes to gardening, you can do your best. And if it doesn't turn out, there's no lose to it. People, you know, like you say, people want to be successful. Uh, they don't want to feel that they're, they're failing, but there's no fail. There's only learn. And that's a big one right there mm-hmm. is because you it's a learning curve, a big learning curve. Um, and so what I would what I would recommend right off the bat is anybody that's new, uh, start on the small side. Don't put in, uh, don't put in eight six by twelve boxes like we have and grow everything at once and mm-hmm. try to maintain it. 
because it, it's it's a seasonal transition from one to another to another, and you have to not only grow it, tend it, but you have to at the end of the at the end of the whole thing, know what to do with all that food. It and you know, it's, it's a shame to 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 try and grow a lot and then be overwhelmed even at the back end of it. So, I would say smart, start smaller. I see a lot of people on on posting on Facebook. They've got three or four nice tidy garden boxes, and maybe they popped up a greenhouse, which is great because it's it's something that you can start smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all easy. It's a little bit it's labor intensive at times, but it's all easy. And the fact that you just you just learn as you go. Uh, you you pick things you like first. Uh, you like tomatoes and they're fairly easy to grow. That's great. Um, garlic is is so dead easy that it's that it's insane. I don't know why everybody, everybody doesn't grow their own garlic because you can grow a lot of garlic in a small place. Uh, our garlic bed is uh, nine by twelve. And most years we're growing 30 plus pound of garlic and it's organic garlic. It's big, it's juicy. It's four times more powerful than anything you buy in the store. Uh, and, and you just, you just plant your cloves on the ground in the fall, not your bulbs. You plant your cloves in the fall in good soil and you bed it down and you walk away. And hmm. in July, you're going to harvest some, some garlic scapes off the top of that. Garlic scapes are your seed, uh, that, that come up and so you, you harvest those like a green onion, but they're green garlic. And those you're going to uh, puree up, or I do anyway, into a garlic scape pesto. They're called scapes. Mm-hmm. And so we've got bag upon bag of garlic scape pesto, which is simply pureed garlic scapes with Parmesan cheese and olive oil. Mm. And uh, if you've never had pizza with your own homemade tomato sauce and gar- garlic pesto, you've never had a pizza. <laughs> wow. That sounds delicious. So garlic, garlic, it's a monster. And it's so easy because garlic is really, really simple. You need to have... You need to have a local uh, or Atlantic-grown garlic to start. You can't take a, a California garlic and grow it here well because they're designed for warm weather, uh, and ours is, is a harder weather. So, mm-hmm. But there's lots and lots of growers around the province and, in, and around the Maritimes that you can get a uh, decent start seed, and probably probably a buddy of yours down the road may have some garlic. Okay. And all you need is, is uh, you know, a couple, three pounds to get you started, and then you develop your own seed stock. I, every year, uh, out of our 30 pound, I'll save seven, eight pound of garlic just for seed stock. And I save my biggest and best because that's what you get back is your biggest and best. And so you develop your own seed stock and you get it bigger and bigger. And so that's it's uh, it's something that's really easy to do. So that I would say in, in a small place, you can, you can grow your own garlic as a good start. And it's really, you're going to get something back out of it. It's rarely ever going to rot, fail, not do anything at all. Um, behind that, greens are usually something you can grow in small pots or, or even you know, like fish tubs on your deck if you want to. Like it's, it's really super easy to grow greens. Um, spinach is a little bit more finicky when it comes to hot weather. And spinach will bolt. Spinach is more of a colder weather. So that's something okay. you can actually get going early in the year. Uh, late April, early May. and uh, kale is another cold, hardy crop too. And they will what they call they'll bolt, they'll they'll shoot up and they'll turn seedy. And so, but greens are easy, and you can do them in small batch. You can do them in small places. You can do them on an apartment patio if you want to. Um, same with same with tomatoes, and even you know, a planter of tomatoes or two on your on your deck or outside your deck, or uh, you don't have to go whole hog and go big at it. But just to have fresh tomatoes and just get a feel for if you've never grown before, uh, there's definitely some things you're going to have to learn. Uh, so those are super easy to start with. 
Uh, onions are another easy crop. Uh, onion sets, you just pop them in the ground, and, and as soon as your soil's ready in late April into May, and uh, our onions are now up, you know, foot, foot and a half, and, and we'll have probably, you know, 40 pounds of onions this year, and that's our onions. And wow. we keep those in the basement. So we never have to buy an onion. We never have to buy garlic. Uh, you know, potatoes are pretty easy, and you can take you can take any potato from the store if you want to. And as long as they, as long as they produce an eye, they'll produce a potato plant. So they're, you know, even you can take store potatoes and pop them on, pop them in good soil, uh, bed them down with straw, and then potatoes are easy to grow. Whether it's for new potato or, or if you get really brave and adventurous to grow some to store for for fall and winter. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, what yeah. you you spoke about um, your chickens? You have the the meat chickens, obviously. What about other meats? Um, we've been hearing that the two of the largest meat packing plants in Canada that that has been affected by the workers that have contracted the the COVID virus and the plants have had to shut down. Um, what what we're not sure if that's going to create a shortage or if it's going to actually bring the price up of it. But what do you encourage people to do if they if they want meat other than chicken? Do you encourage them to you know con- to to continue purchasing through the grocery store, or would you prefer that they try to find a local source, or do you do you think that they should go more of the vegetarian route? Well, I. I've not preached this one as well for years is because local meats are are so good and uh, and they were and they were quite expensive for a while uh, kept people away because with this latest crunch uh, prices are going to spike and they have been spiking you know and you see you'll see that posted mm-hmm. on on uh, Facebook and social media too as you'll take a steak that's like twenty some dollars which was like eight ten dollars before because of shortages and it's all about supply and demand but this this system of centralization of large meat plants has been it's moved, moving in that direction for years and years and years. Um, we used to process most of our meats here in the valley. And I'm at, where I live, we had a couple guys just down the road that had their own meat shops, and they would actually cut and deliver once a week or twice a week in, in their own trucks. And so it's gone from that to the other extreme of, of these monster plants uh, that control the market because all meat goes there, and so if something happens in that system, it's going to crash. And it's been it's been coming to crash for a while, but that's the centralization that that they seem to like. It's monopolization of the market. It's all about corporate profit and and, and that, of course. But it's been years in the making. So, um, what they've done is bought up small producers. Maybe even down your way, Doreen, with uh, with Cook's Dairy. I mean, if you look at the dairy industry, absolutely. Uh, we used to have a dairy in yeah, dairy in Annapolis and one in Digby years ago that had their own private dairies. They were bought by farmers, but at least it was provincial and kept provincial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, see, everything's now in the dairy industry with AgriCorp, which is out of Quebec. And so that's another conglomeration. And so it, it just shuts down all the small places where it should be the other way around. So this, this stuff's not done in the public interest. It's done, it's done for profit. It's mm-hmm. done for, you know, for the bigger model. Absolutely. What you're seeing now are the cracks in that wall. Yeah, so it's going it's going to cause shortages and increases. It has to because it's all based on on the standard laws of, of business, which is supply and demand. So when you have when you have a cut in supply, uh, your price is going to go up because the demand doesn't usually change unless, like you say, unless you do like I would recommend is to look local. Now with the price of store meat being above local in most cases now. 
then the price model uh, argument doesn't work anymore because uh, local meats were a lot more expensive. Uh, but I mean, there are markets within you know 15 minutes of me and one in Bridgetown that do local meats, very affordable. I mean, you're talking you're talking three and four pound specials on on ground meats uh, in ten pound bags. That is that is local meat, whether it's whether it's uh, pork or beef, mm-hmm. um, and then they run specials and meat boxes, and so families can now can now get their meats locally where before maybe they couldn't afford it but now it's the other way around and to afford uh, meat at the store you that that's not even looking at what store meat is factory meats uh are over vaccinated uh, antibiotics and mm-hmm. and and grown in feedlots or so you look at the quality of the meat uh and and grass grass-fed beef especially uh, is high in omega-3, and it's grass-fed for a reason because that's what they're meant to graze on. But uh, store-lot beef is all raised on on grain-fed and corn, and uh, and so the quality of the product's not there. Uh, even now, there's a there's an inland, a couple inland tank uh, fisheries here. Uh, one that I'm just starting to uh, buy my trout from. Uh, it's a friend of mine that runs Hamilton's uh, up here in uh, just outside of Bridgetown. And it's an inland uh, closed loop system, uh, rainbow trout, and they don't need to vaccinate. They don't dye their fish like uh, like the uh, farm open pen farm salmon are. They're, okay. they're orange dye pellets. Yeah. And so it's it's almost present. So to get your stuff locally, you're going to get a better product. You're, you're probably at this point going to be a better price. Now, what you're going to see now as people make that transition to local is that is that supply is going to be taxed a bit. So it requires a bit of cooperation between you and whoever you want to get your your meat, your chicken from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can raise it at home if you have the room and are set up for it, but most people are not. And, and even if I talk to my clients about it, I, I understand that I may recommend the local and, and we do do our own chicken, but that's our choice. But most people need a supply of it and there's a supply there. But that supply needs to be cooperatively built because as demand increases and they run short of birds, uh, which is a quick turnaround. Um, that's only about uh, about a 10 week or even less uh, turnaround on meat birds. They grow fast. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about pork, which is uh, which is a six month turnaround, or beef, which is a year and a half turnaround. They need to have an extended period to get their herds up to size, or or, or their amount of pigs up to size. Yeah. Uh, and so they need a bit of a, what you need to do is sort of look at your cal- calculate your six month or yearly consumption of meats, uh, break that down into into what that is, and then talk to whatever farm you want to talk to, whatever store, whatever whatever farm market you want to talk to. And give them a bit of an advance notice to help them predict what production and is going to be. And so, like I said, with with beef, it's a long term. Pork is more medium, and chicken are pretty fast. Uh, so, but they need to plan for that too, or they will have some shortages too. So, as people transition to local, it just requires a bit more hands on uh, and, and thought process to get that under control. Mm-hmm. Now, with so many people that have been out of work recently, um, if they're finding that beef and pork is still even locally um, still out of their price range right now, are there any alternative sources of proteins that you would recommend they search for? Of course. I mean, you know, you can, I'm not a fan, and I'll say it right now, I'm not a fan of the Beyond Meat Burger and because they're, 
there are a lot of things in there that I'm suspect, but yeah. there, there are always uh, bean sources, pulses, chickpeas, lentils. Um, what you sometimes need to do is get out of the meat and potato mindset and step into another culture's food. And in the chef business, and especially in the chef instruction business, uh, you delve into different different ethnic um, cultures to to learn how that works. And, and so you have to switch hats and and learn how to make an Indian dal. Uh, you need to do do bean dishes that are that are nutritious, but not just baked beans like we're used to. So you you, you substitute those products. I do I do veggie burgers out of out of mushroom, out of black bean, out of different things, and and they're a great burger. And my wife loves them, and uh, and so you can make really great things out of vegetable based products without mm-hmm. going the full blown meat burger, beyond meat sausage, which seems to be all the rage now. But if you looked at the price of those at the store, they are almost double the price of a meat product. Mm-hmm. And so that's a downside. So yeah, like you say, budgetary uh, beans and, and chickpeas, pulses, which are split peas and lentils, that kind of thing. They are always affordable because you get a lot of yield back. And you can you can grow beans and dry your own beans. We've got probably 15, 20 pounds of beans in storage already, <laughs> uh, and they last they last for a few years. So we're not without protein at any day. So that's that's a good thing. When people are starting to return back to work, and um, some of us didn't think that we would be going back to work this quickly, so that's why um, I guess we started into the gardening and stuff. What do you think is going to happen when people return to work and the gardens are there? We're going to be busy with work. Do you think that the gardens and the vegetables are just going to be left and forgotten about, or do you think they're still going to be tended? Oh, I wouldn't think that they would just be left. And But it goes back to what I said before. If you're going to jump into this, don't jump in both feet. Uh, try some things, some easy things, uh, something that you haven't got to spend all weekend tending or every night when you get home from work, whatever your work is. Uh, but I don't think they would, they would go by the wayside and say, oh, I don't have time to do it because you've invested probably time in some garden boxes, soil, manure. You've done the, uh, you've done the sweat equity to, to get that in the ground. But you need to uh, you need to keep in mind when you start that that it's not because you plant it. That's not the end of it. You need to weed. You need to tend. You need to harvest, and and that's that is your food. So you've gone through that to do it. I don't think people are going to just not uh, not weed their garden or not tend it. But it probably and, and for most people it's not going to be monstrous. Um, and it depends on their work and what that is. But it doesn't take long to to grow things or or weed maintain a garden. Uh, we we don't find that it taxes us at all. I do like raised beds a lot because you can you can blow through a, a raised bed garden and weed that in about five minutes, maybe ten minutes, and that is really nothing. Uh, so yeah, it's but you just and then you pick your battles too. Uh, you don't you don't weed those gardens when the weeds are so small you can barely see them. You must have let them get big enough so you can you can mow through them pretty fast and pull them out. So there are some things and and talk with people that are growing some things to make your life easier in that respect. But but I don't think you're going to see when people do go back and they are going back to work now. Some yeah, um, their hours may not be as full going back to work as they were, and so. Uh, we really don't know what they call this new normal is going to be because, you know, in my opinion, it really needs to be the old normal. And by the old normal, I've been telling people for years and, and, and clients especially that we need to turn our clocks back 60 years or more to get into the good stuff, to get a sustainable 
local food supply because it always was here before. I mean, uh, grandma survived because grandma's world really didn't revolve much outside. Mm-hmm. It was it was self-sustainable, the heart of it. And so, if you're going to make that move and, and choose to be self-sustainable, the, the key to being self-sustainable is to control as many uh, external factors as possible because you only have so much control of it, but the way they impact. And so, growing your food is one pretty easy way to do it. And if you can't do that, as close to your property as you can, then you source it uh, as local as you can. And that's the only way we're going to rebuild our economy. And our economy is going to hurt for quite a while because uh, regardless of the, the government inputs and the government loans and CERBs and paying people for you know a few months to, to transition from being off work and now back to work, uh, a lot of the small restaurants, a lot of small businesses are not going to recover. I mean, your your YMCA down there uh, is is now can't open up, but exactly. there, there may be some government support there. Yeah. But you're going to see that a lot. You're going to see you're going to see thirty to fifty percent of small businesses not being able to make it because on re- they've been restricted now to you know from from zero for two months, and now it's only simply takeout and and social distancing means their their dining rooms and restaurants can be only half full or less, mm-hmm. uh, unless they're really creative and then spend the money to put a deck on and have more space. Uh, there's there's a lot of smaller smaller businesses and smaller restaurants that are just not going to survive in the long term, and that's going to depend on really going to depend on what the government establishes as moving forward as to what they're allowed to do and the restrictions and 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 what that is so you really don't it's hard to predict what's going to be mm-hmm. um luckily with us and we've worked worked toward this is that we have quite a bit of protection and and, and living out here you know quite a ways out of town because you, you you're, you're not you're not up close and personal with people so you are already self-isolated on a daily basis so mm-hmm. but people that are that are closer to town are restricted more than we are for sure. And so, and also within, within all this, uh, people need to support local businesses, like really support local businesses. Absolutely. We've been, we've been to order products online, right? And to, to order for pickup and a lot of local businesses jumped on that and really, really doing a good job of it. But we need to make sure that, that it's not going to be just, uh, just online ordering for everything. I mean, Canada Post is seeing, uh, Christmas volumes uh, on traffic every day, pretty yes. much, because of the uptake yep. in shopping online. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so do you a think new, new, new normal? That this this is like, yeah certainly a new normal. Do you think that this has offered people sort of a reset, so to speak, so that we can we can take the time to sort of sit back and think of what actually is important and what is not important. Some people, I'm not sure how big that percentage will be. Uh, some people are very tired of being restricted and not being able to go to Timmy's every day. Uh, so they're just a lot. A lot of people are just going to want to get back at it, and and I can appreciate that. Uh, if if your if, if your social life is going to a restaurant every day, and I know that I like going to Sisubu Coffee up here for to meet some friends and things. So, but within that, you do have the time to step back. And, and think over what, what this is. I mean, what we're seeing as far as how we buy and what we buy is really, really media-driven consumerism. And, and people have their wants and needs totally backwards. And you have to establish, outside of your basic 
uh, food and shelter, and 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 then you plug in your creature comforts as to what extent of that is, and 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 your and your wants um, are one thing. But what you, what you truly need is is good quality food. Um, you need to have a bit of a social life. That's great, but you also you know you need you need to have exercise. You really need in this day and age. You really need some kind of a stress release because I see I see a lot of clients with anxiety issues and there's there's nothing better than than being self-sustainable as you can to clip the edges off of that and know that you're in a better position than you would have been and sit to sit back and then and, and take a look at your life your lifestyle see what maybe wasn't working for you because you had a couple months to to reassess that and and so to sit back, this this is what self-sufficiency really is, is to sit back and, and assess your values and, and and to simplify your lifestyle to a point where it's totally manageable. And then you establish whatever plan that takes to provide it. Now, I'm not talking about about starting a commune and doing a full-blown <laughs> full, a full-blown uh, <laughs> permaculture settlement. However, there are, you know, there's small things you can you can do and small things can turn into big things. And and I'll tell you one thing: once you start on the on the road to being more self-sufficient, it's an addictive thing because it felt good. And so then you plug something in. I didn't start raising chickens right off the bat, but we started growing some food, and we, you know, Gwen cans everything here in the fall. I, I make marinara sauces and, and tomato sauces, and we can those. We do all our own, all our own chicken stocks and bone broths. I even make uh, my own our own dog food out of out of the chicken carcasses and scraps mm-hmm. after I make my stock. It it doesn't start there, but as you go down that road, it's highly addictive because it's really a sense of gratification. And plug in the the, the maximized optimal nutrition you get from your food, uh, you reduce your financial pressure. And so, if you don't need as much outside, then you have either one extra money. Uh, or don't need to make that extra money in the first place. And so some people that aren't working as much, you can not buy more, you can just make more. Mm-hmm. And it's not as it sounds, but yeah, it requires work and determination. But uh, we've chosen over the past few years to uh, to trade sweat equity for, for buying a lot of stuff. And and so, you know, I still got, I've still got good memories of when I grew up in the 60s around here and it was a really vibrant local economy. Now, mind you, uh, Cornwallis base was operational then till 94. So there was some money plugged into the economy, but almost every yard had gardens. Um, but like I said earlier, we had two local dairies, Annapolis and, and uh, Digby, and you had a local dairy there, mm-hmm. uh, home deliveries for milk. Uh, a couple of meat cutters here was local meat everywhere. Uh, there were even fish, vegetable peddler trucks around. Um, there were, there was work everywhere. It seemed to be, you could, you could leave a job and have a job the next week. And, and the work ethic was high too. And we're seeing a lot of problems with pickers and in the valley as far as strawberries and things go. There are Absolutely. people are refusing to work. Yeah. Uh, work ethic is really slow too back then. And, uh, it just was a healthier, less stress uh, world that we lived in. Now that's another time and place, and of course, <laughs> hindsight is always uh, twenty twenty, and, Isn't and, and uh, the golden days looked cool. But yeah. they were simpler, and and it, to get away from from the, the the globalization and centralization and huge government control. Uh, less is more, in my opinion, when it comes to that, because not to say that we should, uh, you know, cut meat off the back of a dirty truck, yeah. but there, there's needs to be, there needs to be a little more 
flexibility when it comes to allowing a small place to work within good health standards uh, to produce local meats. And we don't see much of that around here. So uh, so we need to have a little more flexibility because the only way to build a local economy is to build it locally. You can't expect government handouts all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that's why this being self-sufficient really helps everybody because you're you're just uh, you're taking the load off off the system for one thing, but a lot of people are moving in that direction. We were, you know, you're seeing it on on Facebook and social media, and mm-hmm. uh, and going down the road, people that have new gardens in their yard, and and a number of people will do that. How many? I'm not sure, uh, but a good number. Yeah, for sure. So, in the run of one day, how much time are you spending in your gardens? Sometimes none. Oh, really? Sometimes we sit on the deck and look. Sometimes we sit on the deck with a coffee or a beer and look at them. <laughs> wow. Well, that's nice. That's nice, and that's very relaxing, that's for no, sure. It's not, not well, it is. It's uh, people come people come to visit, and then I'll see a client here in the office or something. We'll step on the back deck, and then it's a sanctuary. It really is quiet. I mean, I own the 100 acres I live on, and uh, and our gardens are in the back, so away from the road, but we can sit on the deck and, and crank the awning out and relax here. But... It's really not as labor intensive as you think, and spread over time. Uh, I mean, everything is seasonal and, and cyclical. So uh, when when you when you start in the spring, you start early in the spring. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we, we we sprout our seeds and do our transplants, and that's really in cold weather when you start in February, March, and, and you're waiting for spring. Well, you're actually getting ready for spring. But then it's ready to, to turn the ground, and it doesn't doesn't take that long to uh, to add manure and, and seaweed and, and organic ingredients and turn the soil. Mm-hmm. And then once they're done, you sort of wait until the weather's right to put things in. And we plant uh, plant bits here and there. We're doing transplants today. It's uh, showery later today and tomorrow. So all of our transplants are going out now. There's no chance of frost. So tomatoes go out and peppers and, <clears throat> and squash and a few things that are they're all transplants. So, so really we don't spend a lot of time in there we'll be in and out and 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 other things other things happen too i mean we you know there's there's always lawns to mow and trim but mm-hmm. but i do i do cut all my own firewood and i've got uh, atv logger and skidder and so uh, you know the firewood has to be done but that's all ready for for the winter so then you you transition you know from that into and as your plants come up, then your your greens are ready to harvest. So you pick a few of those, and uh, you know the snap peas come up uh, the middle of June. Like I mentioned earlier about garlic, the garlic scapes will be ready in July to process into pesto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the harvest of garlic till August, and that that's a big job harvesting garlic because all you do is pull them out of the ground, dust them off, let them dry, and you let them cure for about a month in the shop in a, in a dehydration rack. Wow! And that's the work to that, and you clean it up away so it's really not as bad um, i mean there's there are things to do in the garden you, but you only you only weed a couple of times a year maybe three especially in our raised gardens not like it was years ago when i grew up when i look for a mile down <laughs> for a mile down a row and you're, you're weeding trying to get ahead yes uh, yeah. it and uh, that's the way i grew up so i mean it's uh, it yeah it, it is it is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree kind of thing but uh but this is a much more manageable system and we get as much or more back out of it than than the big gardens used to be, but but then but then again, uh, you know, it's the harvest season is when it really really hits the fan, as it say, mm-hmm. uh, because then as tomatoes come in, we dealt with, um, 
beets and things. We get our we get our meat birds in uh, in August, early August, and so we tend those a couple times a day. But that's all that is: feed and water a couple times a day, and then clean the coop out every every week. But but that's only about uh, yeah, it's only about nine ten weeks until until uh, cold weather in October, and then we then we butcher them up. So and uh, and my cousin and I do that. We've got a a plucker built so we can pluck our own birds and do processing and and then I go to work for about four or five days on birds and okay. portion and I bone out and do ground chicken and we vacuum seal all that and stocks and dog foods and things and yeah now, if but it's some, just a cycle like if, if someone mm. can't do that with their own with their own chickens there are places that you can pay to take them to am I correct Yep, there are, but we uh, we travel around a bit, do and do some people's chickens for them. Oh, is that We're right? Portable. Okay. Okay. Yep. So we don't travel far, but that and again, you go back to what you grew up with or what worked, uh, and and before years ago, it was, uh, you know, your buddy would come help with chickens, and maybe you go help him put wood in or things like that. That's yeah. that's a really that's the way it always works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Kevin. So we will, it 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 sounds it sounds wonderful. It does sound like you have a lovely sanctuary up there that you can just enjoy on a day to day basis. And I hope that the people who are starting new gardens, I hope that they can can get to at least some of the point that what you are right now, where they can plant the garden, sit back, enjoy, go out and harvest. And at the end of the day, when it is harvesting time, they're going to have so many more benefits from having their own foods rather than going into the grocery store, just picking it up. And and this is so beneficial to me for children, because a lot of children don't know where our food comes from. They don't know that food is either grown in the ground or that meat comes from either the chicken or the cow, or they, they just think it comes from a grocery store. Yeah, they really are disconnected. And that's and we're into, as a chef instructor, again, we're into a generation two, maybe three of uh, people that can't cook because if their parents didn't cook much around home and they made that transition to buying a lot of food and takeout food or cans and boxes and bags, uh, as a chef instructor, I, I, I see that a lot is the people that don't know how to cook can't teach their kids to cook. But it comes, same thing comes down to your food sources. If, if kids don't know where their food comes from, uh, then it comes from the store on Styrofoam. Mm-hmm. And so that's other connection. And uh, there's some community gardens around, too. There's one down here in Cornwallis. There's one in a lot of towns. And, and they do kid tours, which is really cool. And, and uh, kids learn how food is grown and, and, and to a point what it takes to do it. I mean, not everybody grew up like you and I in country. Uh, so And then there's some restrictions. I mean, you can only grow so much in town. But... But a lot of lawns are turning into gardens now, and so kid, kids are going to get up close and personal with some of it. And that's a really good thing. That is a very good thing. That's a very good thing. Well, Kevin, I would like to, again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. I wish you well with your gardens. I don't think I have to wish you that because I know they're going to be wonderful gardens, that's for sure. I hope that you stay oh, well. Anybody who wants to drop me a message, though, or anybody that uh, wants to give me a call or check out uh, and ask a few questions, I'm always up to give advice. So, Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I can even do a garden tour if you want to right. visit. <laughs> tell, tell everyone how we can contact you. Well, uh, you can go on my website, Eating with Wisdom. I have, uh, I'm on Facebook as well, but um, it's just www.eatingwithwisdom.com. 
Uh, you can go on Facebook and search for Eating with Wisdom, and uh, and I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, I mean, my my phone number, office number is 400-430-902-400-430. But anybody wants to call and, and have a chat about it, I'm always up for a chat as long as I'm here and not out in the garden. <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. Well, Kevin, thank you again. I hope that you stay well and you stay safe. And I'm sure that we're going to be talking again in the near future. I'm sure, my dear. Thank you much. All right. Take care, Kevin. Thank you. And to all of my listeners today, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Kevin. And we will be back again next week. Stay safe. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for your daily dose. Be sure to tune in again next week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.